Hi, everybody. Uh, minor content warning this week. We have uh, a letter show, and so we're going to talk about some of our past subjects. That's pretty much what you got. Um, also. I, I don't think we're going to get anything terribly horrible, but uh, honestly, mental health could just be a content warning for the whole show. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And female issues. There's a letter about female issues. Ah, yes. Also, we have animals, and they're likely to show up at any point in time. That may involve them making noises. It may involve swearing, which we they, do a they lot. They don't swear. We swear at them when they have showed up and begun walking on the, the various devices. Which is why we have the other warning, which is we swear a lot. Yes. Although we've been getting better about it the last several episodes. Well, fuck, we got to fix that. There you have it, folks. Uh, so, hi, folks. Welcome to episode 138 of Productivity Alchemy. We have a letter show, as I mentioned earlier. Yep. And I got a bunch of letters. Uh, we had a couple episodes this last month that really, really hit some nerves. It's uh, pretty nifty. And there's a small orange cat Hopefully now. hit nerves in a good way. In a good way. In okay, a good way, not yeah. a, you know, oh, God, my arm has Charlie horsed way. Uh, well, maybe the one. But we'll get there. The big news this week, I'm not on call, and so I'm back to my normal, let's make things deploy to cloud providers job, which is kind of nice. And you got your meds. Yes, I am now on Vivanase, or Vivance, Vivance, I think. Vivance, yes. And uh, it's, uh, which is an ADHD treatment, it was the one that did not have interaction warnings with my... Uh, anxiety meds. It is, of course, also the most expensive one on the market, because why wouldn't it be? But, uh, so I have the honor of paying 240 bucks a month now for this, as long as it works. I'm only on the second day, and occasionally things stop working after a couple of weeks, so I can't say that, you know, my problem is solved forever or anything, but, uh, wow. Uh... Yeah, you you express some things both <laughs> to me and on Twitter. Yes, I think are worth repeating here. Okay, um, um, make sure I hit the the ones you want me to hit. Uh, my brain is an extremely crowded place, <laughs> which I had largely accepted as a normal state of affairs until I took this med, and and my my doctor's like, I'm like. You know, is there a ramp up? Like, cause you know, SSRIs for depression and whatnot, there's a ramp up. Oh yeah. You gotta, it'll be a week, you know, you feel like you have the flu or whatever. No, she's, she looked at me and she was like, <laughs> no, you'll know right away. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, it's not a punch in the face, but you'll know. And lo and behold, <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'll be honest even with an official on paper diagnosis i was there's a was a part of my brain going no you're just lazy and you have faked out the therapist with your laziness and your excuses and you don't really have adhd other people really have it you don't you're just lazy and you know and sufficiently self-centered that you can't remember other people's birthdays cuz you don't try some of you may recognize this uh, this this script. Yeah. Well, the big test is apparently can they give you a Helen Wallop a speed because that's what ADHD drugs are most of them. Uh and in fact, I had to pee in a cup to prove I was not on them, and in a month when I go back, I will have to pee in a cup to prove that I am on them and I'm not selling them on the street. And U.S. drug policy, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this is a Schedule II controlled substance. And they cannot prescribe more than a month at a time. Only that one doctor is allowed to prescribe it. So I have to call in my need for a refill at least five, like five days in advance so that she is sure to see it because they work shifts. And she's like, you know, we'll do our best. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is not a good thing to do for someone with executive function problems. <laughs> She's like, I know, I know, I know, I know. We'll we'll figure it out. You'll be OK. Just don't show up at the clinic going, I need it right now. OK, just just yeah. 
I'm like, I, I wouldn't do that. Uh, so it turns out. How many times have you had to call to say, I need my refill for my Effexor. I need uh, our Dexalent like the day of or just before we leave for a trip. I did not say once again. Did you read the 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 note on my chart that said this is treatment for ADHD? Okay, fair. I, if there was a better solution, I would be happy to know what it was. But here we are, American drug policy. And the thing is, as I said, I just took a heckin' wallop of speed, and I have never done speed. It is not the sort of thing that appeals to me. I am willing to guess, however, that most people who do it, and in fact the internet has confirmed this for me, do not then sit quietly in a chair for three hours working on a book. No. I am fairly certain they do not gaze out the window, look at a bird on the feeder, pick up their Sibley guide, identify the bird, say, oh, that's a chipping sparrow, it's a new plumage, set the book down, and then go back to work on their book. No. Yeah, so uh, pretty much the chemistry has proved I genuinely have ADHD. <laughs> because if I, and I know people take Adderall to focus and all, but um, it's, people were saying, yeah, that you, you see that that the law students in the library, and sure, they may be able to focus, but they all look terrified. It's like pathology. And I'm like, I'm sitting here and it's very quiet inside my head. And when I think a thought, that is the only thought I am having. I am not having eight million other thoughts. You you came in to explain to me that when you were having a thought, you were having a thought. And when you were not having the thought, you were not having thoughts uh, in a, in like, like this was an astounding revelation. I assumed it was. That is how the rest of us function. Yeah, so um that's why getting a song stuck in our heads is so annoying because it drives out all the other thoughts. Whoa, no way. Yeah. I thought it was just like having an obnoxious soundtrack along with everything else. No. Wow, that's some shit, man. Yeah. Dude. Uh yeah, I uh uh apparently uh, my brain has basically been standing in the middle of Times Square its entire life with people screaming at it to buy things and you know take photos and uh, where's the subway and whatnot and then and I just assumed that everyone lived in the middle of Times Square. No. And I did not realize quite how um erratic my thought processes were or how you know they would string things together until it wore off this morning <laughs> i was laying in bed it was like 6 a.m i was like ah, oh, the cat woke me up i'll just go back to sleep and my brain is like hey you remember this hey you remember this hey you remember that star trek episode where all the corpses sat up that was wild man you crested caracaras are really cool i think the bluebirds are nesting you know people paint bluebirds on china plates my friend jeff hates that he goes and always complains about that and i'm like ah oh, the meds have worn off <laughs> okay and then, for lack of anything better to do, my brain was like, what if everyone is going to die horribly? Okay, what if Shepard secretly hates my guts, but, you know, has to stay because I put her sheep on my property? What if Kevin loses his job and we all die in a ditch next to Walmart because there's a global recession because of the pandemic and no one is buying books? What would I do in that case? I should do something and, oh, hey, there's like 50 things I could do. I could take up a side job doing something invaluable. Maybe I should get a medical certificate and something. Maybe I should take a... Yeah, so um, I think there's a lot to be said for anxiety being fueled by ADHD. You think? Because uh, it's like anxiety was, was you know, already kind of there. And then ADHD is like having this this inexhaustible fuel source just powering it, going, you want to think about terrible things? Okay, let's think about all the terrible things. God, there's so many terrible things. Ooh, I just thought of a new one. Wow, this is awesome. This is so terrible. Oh, man, we are all going to die. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, basically, um, imagine like nihilist Tigger living in your head. Oh, God. <laughs> Kevin is sort of like staring at <laughs> Grimly. <laughs> yes. So I have been living my whole life with Nihilus Tigger, who is hyperactive because it, he is vampirically leeching all of my energy to fuel his Tiggerness, which I also didn't really realize, but apparently the human brain only goes so fast. And if you overclock it, you get tired faster. It's not that I was thinking faster because I was smarter. I was just thinking very fast and then wearing my brain out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, thinking fast is often associated with being smart, and so you get all the additional pressure of that as a small child, and, you know, you're so smart, you have so much potential, you always finished your tests before everyone else. Well, no, that's just because I read really fast, because see again, hyperactive nihilist Tigger. I hated Tigger. Always hated Tigger. He was, you know, I just least favorite character in Winnie the Pooh. As I get older, I appreciate Rabbit more and more. Yes. Yes, indeed. But Tigger, absolute dick who does not respect other people's property or personal space and thinks everyone should like him because he's bouncy. No. No. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. So, uh, yes. And I finished a book today. I wrote 3,000 words and then I was done. And I was like, okay, I have finished a book. Normally, I would take the rest of the week off, but I have all of this extra executive function, and it would be a shame to waste it. So I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing for the rest of this week, but uh, I've made some garden plans. There you go. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it is interesting. Um, nothing horrible has happened so far. Like I said, it's only the second day. There's still time for me to go into a massive, you know, uh, nervous breakdown, in which case I will, of course, document it extensively because that's what I do. That's what you do. Uh, Kevin, have you noticed any differences? You seem calmer, less likely to come running in here screaming, you have to see this, you have to see this. Oh, no. I always liked that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's still going to happen, I'm sure, but maybe not as often. I mean, if I still see a really good lizard, I'm going to get you. Oh, yeah. No, really good lizard's a really good lizard, but it's been, uh, I believe, uh, on average, two or three things on Twitter a day. Really? You've had to come in here and show me immediately. I have very little memory of this. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was bothering you. It wasn't necessarily bothering me, but it was something I, I, it, I, I would signal you if it was a bad time to be interrupted if I was on a con call. Or a video call, but most of the time it was like, oh, it's, I, I needed to stop thinking about this anyway. So, yeah. The one thing I will say is that um, it is, my brain does not have any uh, sense of what it should focus on. So I have to decide that for it still. It's not like it knows to focus on the important thing or the thing I wanted to do. If I, like, start arguing on the internet, which, and this is a me problem, not a drug problem. Yeah. But uh, if I'm arguing on the internet, my brain's like, okay, we're arguing on the internet now. And I'm like, no, I want a garden. My brain's like, nope, I'm pretty sure you wanted to argue on the internet. And... In my defense, my brain's not wrong. I really did kind of want to argue on the internet, so it was. It, it's just that uh, that it was not helpful in that. I can certainly. Uh, various parties have also said on Twitter talking about this particular drug. It uh, it, it certainly does not imbue you with the ability to um, uh, with discernment. Yes, but you can concentrate on a thing much better. So, as someone said, yes, until I figured this out, I got some amazing achievements in Steam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, that's the video game platform for people yeah. who are not gamers. Yes. Uh, I can easily see hyper-focusing on a video game for 10 hours and being like, okay, that was probably not a good idea. Do you, yeah, and instead play for 45 minutes Spend 20 minutes reading Twitter, flipping back and forth on a couple of things. And keep a book open to a collection of essays to read during the loading screens. Yep. Yep. So, we have letters this week. 
it's interesting. I'll keep you posted. And and there will be probably some commentary on that because uh, we we hit some we hit some uh, nerves in a good way. I think with our last letter show, things resonated. Resonated. And yes. There we go. Hitting a nerve is is usually like ow. But like well, there are a couple, is... couple sort of like that. But oh, no. yeah, I hope we didn't hurt anyone's feelings. We didn't hurt anyone's feelings. Okay, that's that's yeah, that's not going away with drugs. I will. No. I was raised Catholic. Yeah, well, there yeah. are no drugs to fix that. I mean, cyanide, maybe. No. <laughs> no. I mean, it fixes it. It's just you don't want it. <laughs> so anyway, we have letters this week, and we will get to those right after this. Catholicism, it's like herpes. You can't get rid of it, and you spread it everywhere. I'm stopping now. And we are back. I get to make Catholic jokes, people. It's the only virtue of having been raised Catholic. All right. Uh, Catholics who are out there and are mildly offended or horribly offended, uh, I'm sure you're going to write in and tell me all about it. It's okay. Kevin can forward those to me. I may actually. But the thing is, if they write in, they'll feel guilty about it. Okay. That's. So, uh, did you our- know that you can do an Our Father and a uh, Hail Mary, and that's about twenty seconds for hand washing? There have been a lot of of infographics about the medicine is wearing off, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. It has about a uh, uh, ten hour, uh, eight to ten hour lifespan, and I took it at nine thirty. Yeah. So there's this book. That I was going to say for later, but it seems relevant now. A book called Distraction by Bruce Sterling. And I don't want to spoil the plot for anybody out there who hasn't read it. But at one point, the main villain says impulse control is a problem. After explaining how he got that way and infecting uh, our uh, protagonists with the same problem. Um and or, this just takes me to that other great cyberpunk work, Snow Crash, with the dude with poor impulse control tattooed across his forehead. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm noticing that uh, similar to the condition imposed upon the, ca- the, the characters, there is a lot of – I think that kind of controls that, – that, that's something that – when the medicine wears off and you start to go back to what is considered normal brain function, I'm putting that in air quotes for me, too, for yes. you. Yeah. Uh, it changes your impulse control and your ability to focus on things. Uh, yeah. Impulsivity isn't impulsivity is a, a, a diagnostic function of ADHD. Are you impulsive? Do you interrupt people? Which I am terrible about. Do you have an amazing fact you have to tell people right now? Oh my god. Do you finish other people's sentences? Which I've tried really hard to stop doing. But if I know what they're going to say, it's like torture. Yeah. So our first letter this week. Yes. Is from Thomas. And this is a podcast related comment. Uh, I really would wish for chapter marks in the files and show notes. Alphonic has this interface to import them as text files and bakes them into the files for nice podcast catchers to read. The Podlove web player also shows them when you import them. It would make great jumping over bits uh, that you gave a content warning for and finding specific topics easier. They are a bit of a fetish in German podcasting circles, but really neat. I haven't had a chance to dig into researching. This is actually something I kind of would like to do. But uh, it's not something I've had a chance to, like, really experiment with yet. Been a little busy. 
But noted, that is but that noted. something yeah, we yeah, would yeah. like to put on the wish list. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it would also help if I had uh, a better scheduling. Sometimes we're recording on Wednesday night, and I'm literally finishing up the show notes Thursday morning, an hour before it's supposed <laughs> to release. So a little advanced planning would probably if help. only we had some kind of organizational system. I have... I, I have one. It's just sometimes we don't record until Wednesday. Oh, no, I know. I was I was giving you crap. Yeah. All right. Um, this one is from Alyssa, and it goes back to episode 133 with uh, Michelle Wexelblatt. Um, I've been catching up on a string of episodes I missed, and you've had some real doozies while I was away. This one was a really emotional listen for me because I have a vestibular disorder and so many of these same problems. The only useful advice I've ever gotten about living with tinnitus and balance issues has all come from people on message boards. Um, my advice for tinnitus is if it gets to a point where you think it might drive you insane, take your fingers and drum them against the back of your skull beneath your ears like you were drumming them against the desk. Not hard, just steadily. What you want to do is overwhelm the nerves that are trying to process sound that isn't coming from the ears because of a pre-existing injury and thus creating the tinnitus. It's no long-term fix, but it can give you a much-needed break. Also, never wear earbuds. They'll make the tinnitus worse and also cause hearing damage. I use over-ear headphones and turn them so that I only have one ear covered at a time. The important thing is to remember to listen at a reasonable volume and switch sides regularly so you don't just deafen one ear. My particular disorder, a Meniere's disease. Oh, my mom had a, had bouts of that, and our friend Justice has. Our it. friend Ju Jesse Justice has it. Yeah, uh, also causes visual processing problems, and I have no sense of balance. I can't look at screens for very long without getting sick either. Th although I've got the opposite response to night mode. White on black text like this website makes me see double. Ooh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, something that helps is. Activating Windows nightlight mode. This makes the screen dim and hard to read, but cuts down on the nausea and double vision. I can play video games like Into the Breach that I'd otherwise have to skip with night mode on. Um, for a personal thing, I pretty much have everything set to dark mode because it's easier on my eyes, and I do use some of the night mode settings, uh, especially in the dark. Uh, and the ones that don't do it weird. Chrome OS does it really weird in terms of the tinting and makes it harder for me to see. So I usually have to turn that one off. Um, I I grew up on the uh, the white on black text because I played Adventure and Zork like obsessively for years as a child. So it almost has a nostalgia quality for me, particularly the one font. But uh, uh, it, it, it is harder and harder yeah. to read. I, I have been setting my font sizes in like my terminals and my, my email programs and things slightly larger as I've gotten older. Um, usually about the time I need new glasses and then I get new glasses and I set it back down cause it's like, God, why is this so big? Uh, let's see back to the letter. I've also been disappointed buying books off the internet. Am I crazy or are they printing books smaller and smaller? It's not even the size of the font, it's that I need enough space between the lines of text to give me room to visually process what I'm reading. Ebooks are no help in this area at all. I've no advice except to say that YA books tend to be printed with lots of white space on the page. I don't particularly like YA, but I've been checking YA books out of the local library just because I can read them even when I'm dizzy. There are some brilliant YA books out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and... If you have to be limited to a genre, it's certainly not the worst. But uh, yeah, the uh, paper is expensive. Ink is cheap. Paper is expensive. Is the uh, the motto. I I cannot and I cannot recommend highly enough Dragon Pearl by Yoon Ha Lee. Oh yeah, yeah. A brilliant book. Uh, it is YA, but I enjoyed it thoroughly after I stole your copy. <laughs> Uh, my vertigo gives me panic attacks, too. I tried taking meds, but they did nothing for the anxiety and had really bad side effects. I've been lucky in that I've sort of been able to adjust to always being dizzy. It's a little counterintuitive, but I find that balancing on one foot, sometimes while propped up against the wall, helps me ground myself. If I really focus my attention on the muscles in my feet, it makes walking easier as well. I also bake a lot when I'm dizzy, something with really clear steps that I can focus on even when I feel sick helps. I'm very impressed because yeah. I, I do not have balance issues and uh, I can't bake 
dead sober at the top of my game. So you are you are kicking ass. Yeah. Over the last few years, I've learned to recognize when my anxiety is coming from physical ailments and not, say, the news. This isn't something I set out to do. It just kind of happened. My brain visualizes the anxiety I feel when I'm sick as a sad golden retriever who follows me around whining in that way dogs do when they're like, the lightning and thunder are scary, human. Why can't you fix it like you do everything else? kind of talk to it like, I know, I wish I could fix it, but I can't. After I finish stacking this wood, we'll go inside and make pancakes, and you can lick the bowl. It's kind of clever of my subconscious to embody anxiety as the one creature in the world I can discover infinite patience for. That's awesome. That is absolutely brilliant, yeah. I'm typing this out because when I used to try to go to doctors for help, they'd always shrug at me and say that the only way to deal with vertigo and tinnitus is to get used to them, but nobody tells you how to do that. I've met so many people who also have hearing balance, vision issues, and everybody adapts differently. I hope some of this could be useful to someone who's still learning how to cope. This is brilliant and valuable stuff. Thank you for Thank the, you so typing much. it all out. It's yeah. much appreciated. I, uh, there really ought to be a way in ebooks to adjust line spacing, for God's sake, because it's not just. I mean, this is one of those things like um, you you help people with one problem, it helps a bunch of other people. Dyslexia, other things, more white space helps. It, yeah. it may be, and it it's an accessibility thing. Yeah, uh, one of the things I've found uh, working where I work and having to deal with cloud services and addressing accessibility issues and. Uh, the conventions I work with and things like that is that it isn't always one person. Uh, there are a lot of people who just aren't brave enough or, uh, or confident enough. Or yeah, to, or they, they can even ask. Right. And so it's, it's important to look at these things. I had an accessibility concern with the scheduling software I use in that uh, one of the future guests needs to use a screen reader and the screen reader couldn't process the website. So I've already, I filed a trouble ticket specifically to say, when will this be acceptable or when will this be usable by screen readers? Because I have people who, who do it now. I expect them to say, well, they should just use the mobile app at which mm -hmm. point I'm going to yell a lot and possibly take my business elsewhere because I am paying for a service and it's about up for renewal. So too bad. So sad. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, thank you, Alyssa. And I know you've got another letter coming up. So, um, also about episode 133 from Patricia, who was on the show, uh, last year, year before. Uh, thank you very much for this episode, and I had a great time listening to you and Kevin talk. The idea of brain junk food is brilliant, and recalling my own burnout, I did indulge in a lot of the same. For me, it was translated Chinese web novels in order to distract the pain. Uh, oh, yeah. I have, like, read through so many Highland, <laughs> objectified Scotsman romance novels. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Like, it's not going to be printed on your tombstone how many trashy novels you read. And and I even object frequently to the term trashy novel because it, it sort of downplays the fact that there is a real skill in making mental comfort food. And, and yeah. yeah, and some people can do it and more power to them. Thank God for them. And it's, it's highly personal. Uh, one of my favorite oh, yeah. uh, popcorn brain popcorn things uh, is the myth adventure books by uh, Robert Aspirin. Uh, they are terrible. And <laughs> I think we, but they're, they're funny. They're full of puns. They are not high science fiction fantasy by any stretch of the imagination, but they're fun. And I could read like th three in an afternoon if I really needed to or wanted to. So fun is important. Fun is important. Uh, all right. Also from Patricia about episode 134 and the brain chiggers. Um, actually, I too think a bag episode would be excellent. I also like the in-between episodes where there's no interviews, just tra tackling different aspects of productivity like burnout and cooking, like your talks with Dino. Maybe that would be an idea for a seasonal chat. And I am overdue. Dino, I know I'm overdue. It's a little. <laughs> it's not you. It's us. It's not you. It's totally me. Uh, all right. So. Um, from Amber, uh, burnout is a medical condition. It is totally appropriate to use medical terms to discuss it. Don't feel bad about that. I, I totally agree. It's absolutely a uh, medical condition 
because it has such a physical uh, and psychological impact on you. But again, we're also like, oh, well, since I there isn't a doctor who's written a diagnosis that says burnout on it, I can't use those medical terms. Oh, my God. Do you know the on the – yeah, okay, wow, the med's definitely wearing off. Uh, <laughs> my brain looks different than yours on an MRI. You've told me that several times. Yes, yes. I have. I'm telling the internet now. I know I've told you. the uh, And it's 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 subtle, and they had to do like a bunch of, of uh She told everybody. Studies. Like – Everybody. It's my God. No, but my brain actually is different. It's not like they're like I uh, brain. It's okay. The, the, the enormous relief of knowing you do not have a behavioral or emotional like failure of you personally. It's the, Chunks of your cortex are smaller. <laughs> it's like, holy crap. I'm not terrible. My cortex is fucked. Okay. And sorry. I'm still very excited about oh, this. Oh, no, no. There's exciting stuff going on. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this is from Sarah. Hi, Kevin and Ursula. I started listening to Productivity Alchemy because I needed a new podcast for some long drives, and I knew I could trust the two of you for quality content. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, I'm still working my way through the archives. I'm up to episode 65 right now, and it's been so helpful to me in so many ways. As someone who's currently fighting my way through depression and burnout, I especially appreciate the way that the two of you talk openly and supportively about mental health and have recommended the podcast to as many people as I can. On the organization side... I dug out my abandoned bullet journal. It's a cult. Definitely a cult. And have started figuring out what works for me and what isn't a good fit. As a librarian, I have a very inconsistent work schedule from day to day, so I've stolen part of the emergent task planner idea and made it my own. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. Um... I'm sure at this point the Tributes folder is full to bursting. Surprisingly not. Uh, but if you ever want to interview a librarian, self-published author, querying literary agents, author, mom of five kids, choices were made. Wow. I'm happy to add my name to the list. I'm not judging your choices. I stand in awe of them. When was the last time you were allowed to be alone in a bathroom? God. Uh, <laughs> thank you again for everything, including being my companions on a very anxious day with two job interviews in the space of three hours. Sarah, I am totally going to be sending you an email um, now that I'm caught up on a bunch of other things, I'm starting to, and, uh, sadly I let myself run out of buffer. So, and this went in the letters folder and then I'm like, oh yeah, I need to talk to people about interviews. And I want to thank everybody who's responded on, on Twitter and, and emails and things. Uh, so I've been scheduling. So and yeah. Also librarian, you are fighting the good fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, from David about episode 136 and ADHD testing. Uh, hey, Kevin and Ursula, I just wanted to rant a little bit regarding a throwaway comment on episode 136 about Ursula being willy to, willing to front the 180 or so for ADHD testing, even though it was out of network. I've probably got ADHD, totally self-diagnosed, and when I finally brought it up and got a referral, the specialist told me the test with loan was going to be over $1,000, also out of network. Holy crap. Needless to say, I don't have that kind of money to blow on just getting tested, so I've continued to muddle along on my cobbled together coping mechanisms. Didn't even occur to me that the crazy price tag was just that. Crazy. I'll be revisiting this with my doctor next time I see him. It's going to depend entirely on where you're located. Uh, I... Yeah. To, I was at a uh, one of those. The place I'm going is one of the. It's not franchise is the wrong word. It's a network kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And so they had an in-house behavioralist. It was just that that was out of network to go to. So I imagine it was cheaper because it was their in-house person, not a totally different thing. But Jesus, a thousand dollars. Uh, but seriously, what the hell is wrong with our healthcare system that just scheduling a battery of tests can be so prohibitively expensive that I, a fully employed middle-class person, would rather continue struggling with my issues than even take a chance on getting better? Jesus. 
Anyway, thanks for being so open about mental health issues. It's a real service. And thanks for the variety of perspectives and types uh, you bring in as guests. Keep up the good work. Uh, it's possible there is some kind of battery of tests, and that is a totally different thing than what I had, but they literally sent me a questionnaire and was like, here are your numbers zero through three, circle what applies. And then they asked, you know, someone who knew me as a kid to fill one out and someone who knew me as an adult to fill one out. And I did. It so I was talking to a friend of mine who is a doctor. Mm -hmm. He's part of the the... I believe it's um, uh, what did Shannon call them? Her men of resources. Uh. Yeah, there's a, a whole cadre of us apparently, and it, it it men is being used in the classical sense. To it, it is, I really we should probably I'll talk to her about changing that to folk. Um, anyway, uh, one of these people is a doctor and is like, okay, which test? Because there are apparently two tests, and you took the other kind. And I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Uh, the next thing was, really, though, the only way to be sure is to take gradual titrates of the medicines and see if it helps. So that's – that's. but once you've gone through that initial – the initial screening – it's saying, hey, you are a candidate for perhaps this type of therapy, and then we can move on to the next stage. Yeah. And this may be the other test, and I will make sure to look up the types of tests, um, because one may just be like that, that much more expensive. Uh, it's I don't possible. know. I, it's possible. This is such a a under I'm not going to say understudied. It's a field that has evolved so rapidly in all directions. Yeah, when it went from the only people with ADHD are small boys who can't sit still to wait a minute. Okay, girls might have it. Oh wait, hyperactivity. It it's not always people bouncing off the walls. Right. Okay, is that because it's a different type or because you've been socialized wildly differently? Hmm. And it, you know, it, it, it just snowballs and then it hits our the American medical system. And basically it's, uh, I think clusterfuck would be a word I would clusterfuck use. Clusterfuck is, yeah, yeah. And I believe, I don't want to pull politics into the podcast too much because we are. I mean, we are fairly political as it is. Yeah, but we we, but we're also freaking tired of hearing about it during the primary season. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Sorry. But uh, overall, I think right now we're at a point in time in our country where a lot of the gaps in, or not gaps, but the injustices even in the American healthcare system are becoming more and more apparent. Um, I I think I think it would be better to phrase that. People who – they were always very apparent to the people suffering them. Yes, okay. But either the gaps are getting large enough that more of us are falling through or or we're connected enough we can go, wow, that really blows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's – it's. Yeah, gone are the days when people can ignore other people because they're on the other side of town or live in different countries or different states even. I hope those days are gone. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. All right. And on that happy note, let's uh, see what uh, Lenora, if my mouse is, there it is. Um, uh, Lenora. So um, episode 134, Brain Chiggers. Uh, I feel so validated all of a sudden in reading and writing advice. People always seem to have their book, books planned outline chapter by chapter and even on the occasions i do have an outline it's never divvied up that way i have scenes which may be one or three or even five to a chapter and i have the book and not too much in between chapter breaks get added in artificially after the fact oh hell yeah while i know intellectually that all writing advice should be taken with a hefty dose of keep what works and throw out the rest it still felt vaguely wrong when it seemed like no other writer had this method the only other one who came close was terry pratchett who sneakily wrote the vast majority of books with no chapter breaks at all <laughs> uh also from lenora did my mouse die or is it on the wrong no it just, oh there it is okay 
Um, yeah, sorry about the click. Uh, this is not to say I've not heard of pantsing, aka writing without an outline at all. I do a lot of pantsing, but even most pantsers seem to say, and I hit what looks like the end of this chapter after writing for a while. I will tell you, uh, the only way I go, this is the end of a chapter, is I'm like, oh, this is a really dramatic hanging line, and then I can, then a line of white text. So sometimes I'll just throw in a line of white text. Is it going to be a chapter in? Who knows? Maybe it'll be a line of white text. Maybe I'll be like, nope, these two got to be close together. Fair. Everything can be added in post. And now here's the the follow-on to the female issues from the grieving episode. Uh, And you do not have to read this on a letter show unless you really think your listeners want to discuss. And I think you probably do. I am perfectly willing to talk about female issues. I mean, look... I'm 42. I no longer give a shit if the world knows that I get a period. Someone pointed out there's literally no other surgery, and it is surgery, even if it takes about 60 seconds for most people. Remotely comparable to IUD addition and removal and similar cervical treatment that is done without anesthetic or at least serious painkillers. Some people apparently are told to take an Advil in advance. Most aren't even offered that. Yes. As with so many issues related to the uterus and its system, this just made me sit there with my jaw dropped wide, wondering how exactly it can be justified. I'm still not over the fact that I had mine in and the nurse was standing there with a basin. And I looked at her and she's like, in case you need to puke. And I'm like, this this is so well known a phenomenon that you know it's going to hurt that bad that the nurse is standing there with a basin. And it's not like, uh, the fuck? Yeah. Um, also one of the reasons why, despite the frequent praises of IUDs once in and settled and despite giving birth twice, I cannot imagine trying to get one myself. Oh God, I still keep thinking about switching back to the old one. What's stopping me, even though I hate the new one, is the fact that I would have to get it put in. Yeah. Um, uh, Star commenting on episode 136 about, uh, where we talked with, uh, Heather, about heavy topics and of life care and things like that. Um, another handy trick for wonders, kids and elders. When we go anywhere with people, concert, ball game, mall, I put a Tyvek wristband with my phone number on her wrist. You can buy a hundred pack and neon collars at party city or such stores. Handy. Yeah. Very handy. Um, from Lenora talking about the grieving episode 135. Um, uh, content warning. Content uh, warning. Yeah. Pet, pet death. Yeah. Uh, I had to put a nearly 20 year old cat to sleep Tuesday while starting this episode Monday and finishing it today and practicing good self care since I knew about it in advance. The first part discussing Smokey didn't hit me as hard as I feared, but the closing tag did. I occasionally wonder why we set ourselves up for this kind of heartbreak. Then I remember that the 17-plus years I did have her in my life, she was adopted at two, were almost all delightful, and she was a warm and worthy being who deserved that love. As for grief's place and productivity, I can't currently tell if my desire not to go out and do things is, is abetted by sorrow or just my standard mode of procrastination. What it seems to mostly be doing is giving me the excuse to procrastinate. Uh, any excuse to procrastinate is generally a good excuse, my procrastination <laughs> tells me. Um, or, okay, maybe I don't want to burst into tears over cleaning up cat litter. Because that would make me annoyed at my own tears, because cat litter is gross and the part I will easily miss the least in a clean space there will make a part of me very happy. But when I think about heading there, it's exactly what I expect in advance based on past experience. Yet the expectation and the desire not to and the awareness it is entirely stupid can't seem to stop the actual tears from happening. It's it's not stupid. It's completely logical that, yeah, of course yep. you did that. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I, I don't know how long ago this letter came in, so m- maybe you've you've gotten uh, past that by now. But if you haven't, it, it's really okay. Sometimes you're just gonna burst into tears, and that's fine. It's it it doesn't hurt anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't destroy the ozone layer, or you know, uh, take years off your life, or kill puppies. It's it's perfectly fine to burst into tears if there's nobody around that's gonna like get weird about it and then you know clean the litter box while you cry it's okay it is <laughs> and this is where i should note my family has a propensity for analyzing our feelings in what seems like cold terms whilst still having them 
My brother was doing it even in the vet's office as I gave her some final cuddles. I almost feel like I should apologize to Gene Hack because he gave a good interview and I am talking about everything else. The last several guests have all been fabulous, really. Uh, wish me luck on cleaning and my condolences to you guys, though you won't read this until a few weeks late. Thank you for the yeah. uh, the condolences and to you too. I'm, yes, absolutely. I'm, it, like I said, it's not that it gets easier; you just get better at it. Yeah, like so many things. But really, it's okay if you got to cry over it. I'm not going to judge you. I certainly am not going to judge you. Okay, last week's episode, episode 137 uh, from Mira. This episode was great. The satisfaction and validation of a diagnosis was palpable, especially when there's fine-tuned coping mechanisms already in place. I've read a few blog posts lately about women finding this out later in life, uh, for example, Captain Awkward and Amala. It's good that there's more awareness about how it presents in women and female socialized people. The process part was fantastic. Finding out how people do stuff is catnip, even better when it's about books I've thoroughly enjoyed. Can't wait to find where the vampire hummingbird fits in. You and me both. Also, Kevin's mention of the D&D process was cool, too. It would be fun to have a process episode on that, too. I saw this link and thought you'd like it. So it's a link to a thread uh, by Death by Badger, and I'm going to link it in the show notes, to the finding of this 100-page long small print run of a guide to the nine hells completely in character not like dante's inferno but more like here's how the planes interact here's what the stars look like here's the department of records and how the department of records filing system works i mean it's incredible and the person who who found this in like a used bookstore <laughs> is now talking to the rights holders of the original material um the uh direct relatives of the person who originally wrote it about a not an updated edition but a reprint or a digital print or something it is a fantastic thread uh and i was really excited that's partly what delayed started recording tonight is because I went, oh, what is this link? And then five minutes after reading this thread and going through all this and look at the pictures, I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm also halfway through the previous episode about caring work and end of life stuff. It's excellent and kind of scary. My husband and I are staring down the barrel of that on both sides and I'm going to take notes. Cheers, Mira. P.S. I was hoping to see you at Worldcon in New Zealand this year, but I don't know if coronavirus is going to let that happen. It was going to be my first ever con, but there's always next year. Yeah, we uh, we are obviously hopeful that the yep. disruptions will be such that we can go and this will all be a memory of, wow, that was awful, but thank God it wasn't worse. Yeah. At the same time, I'm not saying I've booked the flights yet, so... Yeah. It occurs to me, you know, uh -oh. we should really do an episode because I keep seeing threads about this go on Twitter. A lot of people are suddenly working remotely for the first time. Yeah, uh, we should we should talk about that. I would be perfectly happy to do a podcast. You know, obviously your experience with that is much more structured. But, uh, uh, kinda, yeah. Uh, I've been doing it what for ten, nine years now, give or take. Right, but you so, you have a a you have a a. a I have a system. I'm trying to find a way to say real job that does not, you know, insult the fact that writing is a real job that makes me money. But uh, you have a real job with coworkers and things and b clicky buttons. And I have writing. a corporate job. Yes. I go to a coffee shop and, you know, try to figure out where the vampire hummingbird goes. I, I mean, I could go to a, a coffee shop and work if I wanted to. It's just I don't. Well, anyway, the anyway. point is a lot of people are suddenly, speaking of coronavirus, a lot of people are suddenly working at home oh, yeah. to begin with and are like, uh, okay, what do I do? How do I structure my day? And uh, yeah, so people have been posting tips and tricks and I'm like looking at them going, well, I do none of those things. <laughs> it's very different when you have a corporate job versus yes. when you're a freelancer. So, uh, and a lot of times there Particularly are- Particularly freelancer in a creative field. Yeah. There, there can be a lot of cross-pollination in that. 
uh, but not always. Um, which one of the reasons I do the show is because a lot of the stuff about productivity and whatever is the freelancer creatives. You have to get this stuff down to eat and things and not everybody needs that. No. Okay. Last letter from Melissa. Um, is there some advantage to raising dormice over guinea pigs? <laughs> Something about guinea pigs has always struck me as extremely unhygienic, probably irrational. I eat chicken after all, and they're gross. Eh. But they were originally and still are in other countries raised for food. You'd say people don't want to eat guinea pigs because they're extremely personable, but dormice are just about the cutest rodents in existence. Uh, well, I think, honestly, the reason that uh, people in Rome were eating dormice was entirely geographic. They didn't have guinea pigs. Guinea pigs were uh, Peruvian. And so, yep. and people in Peru did not have dormice. Uh, I have kept guinea pigs. They are very personable. They are sweet. I know people who love theirs very much. Um, they are not the smartest animals I have ever come in contact with. That's a fair assessment. And I say this is someone with chickens in the yard. <laughs> anyway, is there a place for people who want to learn about self-publishing can go? Just recently, I was hanging out in Twitch chats and met two self-published authors, one fantasy, one erotica. And while chatting with one of them, I was surprised to find out they both knew less about the book industry than I did. I've apparently picked up a lot just through fan osmosis, but I'm not great with details. I directed both of them to this podcast and also Cat Rambo's website, uh, and writing excuses, oh, yes, writing excuses, but just straight info on, say, the legalities of commissioning cover art is super hard mm -hmm. to find. All the technical issues around the process intimidate the heck out of me, which is why I've never been tempted to self-pub anything personally. I would uh, I would say those are all good resources. I would also suggest uh, Writer Beware. Writer, um, yeah, absolutely. Which is a great thing. And the problem, the, the only problem with Writer Beware is that it's like reading the... Um, it's like reading a book of poisonous plants. It's fabulous for what it is, but then you start to think everything's poisonous. And uh, so it's it's a wonderful resource for people who are screwing you over. And it does have for you to know about people who will try to screw you over. It's not a resource for the people actually screwing you over, which you probably knew, but I felt the urge to say it anyway. Uh, one thing it will do is if you read some of the things, first of all, it's it's just amazing shock and awe value. Some of it, you're like, holy God in heaven, they can't have thought that was a good idea. And frequently the um, the author, uh, Victoria Strauss, will be like, um, and uh, on the older things, A.C. Crispin, were like, okay, a reputable publisher will never ask for this, will never ask for this, they will do this for you, etc. So you can pick up a lot just by reading those. Mm -hmm. um, I would also suggest the Absolute Right, and that is W-R-I-T-E, message boards, um, which are a very... Uh, they're a, a just an old-school web forum, basically, message board, and there are a lot of people there. Uh... They do not take a lot of crap, and they are not necessarily kind to pretension, but if you just walk in and say, I don't know what I'm doing, can you point me to resources, uh, people will be extremely helpful. And uh, I have posted there many times as Red Wombat, and uh, I have an ongoing thread, which I have not updated shamefully this year, of... Um, about my self-publishing and it's purely sales. It is just, this is the record of how many books I have sold per month. And this is, you know, how we did on pre-orders. And this is why I think this is, uh, okay. We're in the slump here. And, but okay, this got bumped up because of this thing. It's, it's basically, it, it is one woman's journey with self-publishing. Uh, and what about ditch diggers? Uh, Ditch Diggers is very good for established writers, I want to say. It is, uh, Ditch Diggers is, is a podcast done by my friend Mer Lafferty and, uh, and Matt Wallace. And I'm not saying that if you were, uh, uh unpublished. Matt, Matt's our friend too. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, sorry. I, I, our friends, I should have said. Um, no, Matt, you know what you did. <laughs> Vengeance will be mine. 
Sorry. Uh, I don't think Matt listens to <laughs> I this. I mean, he's been either. on the show. I just don't think he listens. <laughs> well, no, who has time to listen to, you know, uh, somebody else's podcast when they already do one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, um, it's it, there's tons of valuable information if you're just starting out and they answer questions from people who are just starting out. Um also, uh, I should be writing by Mer Lafferty. Oh, same yeah. thing. Ditch Diggers is more of a. You've sold a book. You are now a published author with a career in writing. Welcome to hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's not welcome to hell, but it's you know, uh, you got to get up every day and dig the ditch, and so they um, do this podcast, which is basically for people living in the midlist authordom who are like. Now what do I do? Now what? Uh, yeah. Which is very helpful too, but does not necessarily perhaps have the nitty-gritty about self-publishing if that's what you're interested in. There are many, many guides on the internet. Most of them are probably outdated within about three months of publication, unfortunately. <sighs> uh, there's lots of bad advice on the internet. There's tons of bad advice. Um, I would be wary of the Kindle boards. Oh, dear God. Uh, and I say this, I'm trying to be very fair because my experience is all run away, run screaming, run, run like your ass is on fire and your head's catching. But <laughs> that is probably unfair. There's undoubtedly a great deal of valuable information to be gleaned from there. You do, it, it suffered from, um, Self-publishing had a thing for a while where, and I, I hope it has somewhat subsided, where everybody thought they were going to get rich, and you could they knew you could get uh, rich from self-publishing. Ergo, if you failed at it, it was not that self-publishing had failed, it was that you had failed. And Gotta love that. Yeah, and it's so... It's not that you... It's not that you are a tiny fish in a vast sea who did not somehow hit the one weird lucky break. It's that you have done it wrong. And right. so it's a moral failing. And this, I hate this so much because it's like, it's, it, they get you coming and going on that one because you failed. So you already feel like crap. And now they're telling you it's your fault. It's not, you know, everything else. It is, it is clearly the system works perfectly so you must have done it wrong and that's <sighs> bullshit yeah writing is a weird ass hard job and the market doesn't know what it wants half the time i literally have sold more copies of my self-published paladin romance in a month than one of my children's books did in a year it's which had the full force of a publisher and a, and a successful series behind it. There is absolutely no knowing or telling what is going to hit when. And people get you can skill helps riding the the wave helps being able to to, you know, adjust like the a Tai Chi master to the things happening around you. That all helps. But at the end of the day. There's a lot of weird shit, and it's not necessarily your fault whether you fail or succeed. God, ain't that the truth? Okay, end of rant. End so, of rant. Kindle yep. boards take with a grain of salt. Um, you will get a lot of people who are very, uh, who feel the stigma of being self-published very keenly and have internalized it into hostility. You will find that anywhere, though. I would be wary of that. I get to say that because I'm traditionally published, so obviously I have a bias, but I'm also self-published, and, you know, which basically, I don't know, means I'm Benedict Arnold. But uh, <clears throat> look for people who don't have axes to grind and who tell you, you know, we cannot guarantee anything but here's what we know and can help and there you have it yes That's which honestly is sort of like people giving you advice about organization and productivity <laughs> fuck you what no we <laughs> 
podcast is we don't know what will help. This so is very here true. is a this bunch is of true. things. And if one of them works for you wonderfully, and if it doesn't, it is not because you are a bad person. And there, I'm, the comedic timing on that was just perfect, though. I, I could not help myself. I, I agree with you. It's just the way you said it. There was only one appropriate response. It's all good. Anyway... Uh, thank you, you. <laughs> Alyssa, Mira, Lenora, Star, David, Sarah, Amber, Patricia, and Thomas for writing in. Uh, you can send your comments for the next letter show to Kevin at sunny.com or the contact form on the website, or just comment on the episode. There's a, there's a comment space right there beneath the episodes because it's WordPress and uh, WordPress comments work. So yeah, there's all that. Woo! And on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Again, thank everybody. Uh, thank you, everyone, for writing in. Uh, I really do appreciate the comments, um, the feedback. Feedback is a gift, um, and so I I read everything. Uh, there has, and if you tell me not to read it on air, guess what? I won't read it on air. If you say you don't have to read this on air because girly bits, then I will totally be like, oh, oh we're, yeah. We're, we're totally going we're to read We're telling that on the air. internet about my cervix today. Yeah. So, our badge code this week is Medicate. And so you can go to productivityalchemy.com, read the badge how-to, which I'm going to have to update soon, and enter the code to get the badge. Uh, I spoke to a sales rep from Credly, which is the company that we sort of use as badge storage, mm-hmm. and they're taking away the free plan that I'm on. No! It is, it is sunsetting in June, so I'm going to be doing some things to make sure uh, you, you will be able to log on and download your badges and all that stuff, uh, but uh, I'm going to have to figure out a different sort of export plan thing. Uh, I am very pleased with uh, how Credly's worked out over the last couple of years. Except for the bit where they're going away. Well, you know, it happens. And I actually contacted them to see how much it would cost. And the, they have institutional prices. Yeah, like their lowest plan is just under your Patreon earnings per month. Holy God in heaven. Yeah, they're, yeah we're they're, not doing that. Yeah, they're really geared towards an educational corporate market and not a small-time podcaster like me. Yes. So there's that. They're like, hey, how do you want? To, how do you see yourself growing and how many badges? I'm like, I, I have issued like 150 badges, maybe 200, and most of them all go to the, their multiple badge earners. Um it's not like I get one person in there and one badge and they disappear. The people who are dedicated to badges are dedicated to badges. God bless you all. Well, we'll, we'll yes. look into that. Yeah, I, I don't see us buying the uh, educational market subscription. No, no. So, so I will be investigating that over the course of the next few months. And I have a few months, so it's not, not urgent, but it's it's a change that's coming up. I bit the bullet and downloaded a... Microsoft to-do list to replace Wonderlist. Um, uh, we should uh, we should talk about that once you've had a little more time playing with it. I hate it so much, but only because it is not Wonderlist, probably. But I don't know it well enough to hate it for all the real reasons. Oh, yeah, like I said, that's why we need to give it some some time. Did did you use the import or convert function? No. No. Okay. I I don't need to like. There may be a world where I need to go back and see what my exact word count was in uh, 2018 October, but 
I don't really see that being a thing. I, I totally want that information. Okay, you'd have to manually uh jigger it because all I have done is write down my word count of the day as if it were a to-do item list and then checked it off. Yeah. Yeah, if you can get that in a CSV, I would love it. Uh I can hand you my iPad. That uh it probably needs a desktop, but we need to go to the desktop anyway because we need to link your Twitter to your Mastodon. Uh we do have Mastodon accounts. It is a private server. Uh by private I mean accounts on it are we're we're trying to manage it so that I'm not a system administrator in my it's, spare time. It's the people in the household. It's literally, yeah. you know, me, Kevin, I think Shepard and like Liz. Yeah. Yeah. So, pretty much. Uh and our friend uh, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's we're not like running a thing that you have to feel bad about not being invited to. This is just like 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 our cable subscript logins or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can still follow us because mm-hmm. the way Mastodon is, it's, it's you know. You can follow anyone on another server as long as the server's not blocked. And I, I actually was like, no, I, I see you just fine. I don't know why you can't see a, someone. So I expect a new follower today based on a conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I need to sit you with you and your laptop and log into that stuff too, so we can get that cross post. So, anyway, medicate is our word this week. Um, if you want to support us, uh, please uh, feel free to share with your friends. Recommend the podcast. Um, I we you know do accept monetary <laughs> rewards. I got I got some coffee money this week. Thank you. Um, you could thank you to all my yep. new Patreon sponsors. I it's not just the podcast you're supporting. You also get the free ebooks of all the self pub T Kingfisher books. Yeah. I uh, I can't give you the ones published by Saga Press because they control distribution of those. But yeah, yeah. And we have a release date for the next one from Saga Press. Uh, yes, too. October fourth. Uh, Eighth? Eighth. Okay, he probably knows better than I do. The Hollow Places will come out. Um, It is set in North Carolina. It is not a direct sequel to The Twisted Ones, but if The Twisted Ones was my take on Arthur Mation, this is my take on Algernon Blackwood. And uh, I don't think it's as scary. I think it's just interesting. There was one point when I was reading one of the drafts where I was literally trying to push myself through the wall to get away from the Kindle, but I couldn't stop reading at the same time, so I couldn't put it down, but I kind of wanted to get that page away from me at the same time. So anyway, horror is very individual. (laughs) True. Lots of people are going to read it and be like, oh, that was just interesting. I liked it. Yeah, I I had people reading the Twisted Ones going... You know, I wasn't scared, but I loved the characters and had a lot of fun reading it, which is great. That's fine. What makes you afraid is extremely individual. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And then I have other people going, I haven't been able to sleep with the lights off for a week. And the last time I saw a deer, I screamed. So, you know. Yeah. Fun times. Fun times. Worms my little author's heart. (laughs) So we will talk to you folks next week. I'm looking forward to the slate of interviews I've been scheduling. And uh, in the meantime, uh, turn off the news and stay productive. And wash your hands. Oh, God, wash your hands. More than that. Much more than that. Not until you're bleeding. Dear God, stop stop, before you bleed. Stop. Stop. Oh, God, no. 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Yes. Yeah.